0: We began this series uh, sometime back, and we will continue it for some time to come, because there's a lot to be said about family. And uh, you're part of one, some way, somehow, and so even though a particular message you may go, okay, that didn't necessarily hit home with me, there will certainly be a number of those that will touch you in a place that you specifically need it. But this morning, I want to talk about teenagers, because teenagers are strange. Now, I noticed that it was only adults who responded to that, so teenagers are going, "I, I don't know what, maybe the one sitting beside me is strange, but I think I'm okay. The question is, why are teenagers so strange? Why are they so different? Well, they live in the twilight zone between childhood and adulthood, and I'm saying that honestly. They live in a very confusing time of great changes that are taking place physically and emotionally, and even spiritually in their lives. And this strange place we've come to call adolescence. Now, some of you have had teenagers and you've you've kind of stepped beyond those years now. The, the, the teenage years are in your rear view mirror and you have the battle scars to prove it. For some of you, teenage years are in front of you. You haven't gotten there yet. You haven't stepped into that strange alien territory of teenagers and it it's going to happen it seems that everything's cooking along and your kids think you're as cool as you could be and then one day overnight you become the biggest dork in the world one day they want to talk to you and they're sharing with you from the depths of their heart and the next day you can't get one word out of them and there's like a flitch, switch that flips and they become a teenager and so, I don't want to discourage you. Uh, hopefully, it'll be what we say will be a help, but it's, it's coming. And there's some of you that are in the midst of raising teenagers, either parents or grandparents, and you've got teenagers, and bless your heart. Um, I do want to offer help to parents this morning, um, but I think it would be, I think we would be, do a disservice to our teens and a disservice to this message and a disservice to applying this message if we didn't take time to try to at least step into the shoes of a teenager no matter how badly they smell see here's what I've learned it's been a few years since I've been a teenager more than a few and for some of you it's true But you don't have to have too many years beyond those teenage years to forget what it was like. Now, when I was a kid, things were, to be honest, quite much. I didn't think they were simpler then, but they were. Now, the world is a far more complex and interconnected place, and the challenges for teenagers now can be overwhelming. Then, when we're dealing with teenagers, we're dealing with real people, and We think these struggles that they're dealing with that seem so insignificant to us, um, to them, they're not insignificant. They're very, very, very real. They are in this twilight zone. And although there are better ways that they could probably manage going through this twilight zone, uh, they don't always do it. And so this morning, what we want to do is begin today asking the question is, how do we help teenagers, our grandkids, our kids, how do we help them navigate through the teen years? And I want to share a few things with you this morning. And the first is, and this falls on you, live out your faith. Live out your faith. In Psalm 71, we read these words, Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Some of you had the blessing of having Christian parents and grandparents who put the emphasis on Christian. Some of you didn't, but for those of you who did, you know it left an indelible mark on you. You were different because those people had an influence in your life. You got to overhear your grandpa praying. He wasn't doing it to impress, he wasn't doing it in front of a church. You just heard him on the tractor, in a barn, in the bedroom in the den you just overheard your grandpa praying or maybe maybe you had the opportunity to go into the kitchen with your grandmother and to help fix a meal for a grieving family because the church was gathering together and rallying together to try to support this family maybe it was sitting with your mama in a rocking chair listening to her read stories from the bible to you or maybe it was grabbing your daddy's hand and walking to church. Those kinds of things leave a mark. And they will not guarantee that your child will grow up to be faithful. But I do promise you this. It will make a huge difference. A marked difference in the life of that child or that grandchild do not underestimate living out your faith before their eyes Paul told Timothy I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also did you get that he says listen I I see your faith but I know that that faith came from your grandmother and your mother. Now, I put an asterisk in my notes here because you need to know this. That does not mean guys are exempt. Fathers and grandfathers make a huge, matter of fact, they make a larger than life impact on a child and a grandchild. Huge. It doesn't take long studying statistically the influence of dads on the 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 physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of a child it is absolutely absolutely massive. Uh, there are a number of things in here that show that the the odds of your child remaining faithful to church if dad goes with the family it just goes through the roof. And I realize that there are lots of you moms out there who are trying to do this on your own. You don't have dad or you don't have the kind of dad that your kids need you may not even have granddad and so I want to make a plea and Caleb didn't ask me to do this but let me tell you something if you're a man one of the greatest places that you could serve in the life of this church is in the lives of teenagers and children they need Oh, do they need an example of godly manhood in their lives? And it could be you. And I know you think, well, maybe I'm too old, or maybe I don't have enough energy. I could promise listen, Caleb right now this morning feels too old in that he doesn't have enough energy. Okay, it doesn't matter how old you are. It will th- it is taxing, it is frustrating, but it is the most wonderful thing that you can do when you see kids getting it. If we're going to make a change in the lives of kids, we've got to do this together. And so dads in your family, be there, live out your faith. Moms, live out your faith. Granddads, grandmothers, live out your faith. But you here at Grace Fellowship, you can help fill a hole, fill a gap for some of these kids as you step in and they finally get to see someone living out their faith in front of their eyes. So the first thing is, live out your faith. None of the rest of this matters if you don't do that. If you're you're a hypocrite in the eyes of your kids, none of the rest matters. But if you live out your faith, it will impact them in ways that you cannot imagine secondly don't be afraid don't be afraid Uh, with parenthood does come fear right all right at first you're fearful for your kids and after a few years you're afraid of them fear comes but it comes in, in lots of different ways God told Abraham this do not be afraid for I am with you now i know the context is different but i want you to understand this why should i not be afraid the answer is given i am with you this past sunday had an opportunity i mean excuse me this past week i had an opportunity to to do a funeral service very very difficult funeral service but i was able to share um, you know we read the 23rd Psalm. we think oh well, that's kind of a funeral sermon but i gotta tell you it's a beautiful beautiful poem about the the shepherd the good shepherd God, that we have. And even when we walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will not fear. Why? Because I'm with you. It is the presence of God that's the reason we don't have to be afraid. Paul reminds Timothy God did not give us a spirit of fear. Spiritually, we haven't been given a spirit that fears. In fact, we're told, he goes on to say, you're given a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. And so it's a very powerful thing that God has has given us, God has made us so that we don't have to live in abject fear. Now, there are a lot of things that make us afraid. Some of you are afraid as parents and grandparents of making a mistake. Get over it because you're going to make them, okay? You're going to make them, but you're afraid of making a mistake. What if I do this? What if I don't do this? Listen, chill. You're going to make mistakes. There's no need to be afraid of it. We got to remember, even in the midst of our mistakes, who's there with us? God's right there with us. He hasn't left us even in our mistakes. We also need to note, some of us are afraid of the kind of kids, the kind of friends our kids will have. And some of us are afraid that our friends, our kids will never have any friends. Funny how that works. We, we're afraid they're not going to get the grades that they need. Maybe we're afraid they're not going to make the softball team or the baseball team or the soccer team. Most of us are simply afraid of the unknown future out there. That void that that we don't know what's happening next. Whoa, we want to know what's happening. We want want to know what's going to happen the next day and the next day and the next day. But quite frankly, none of us know what's going to happen the next day. But these are the things that we're afraid of. But God wants to take the fear that we have and he wants to replace it with something. And that something with which he wants to replace it is hope. God can give us hope. Parents, grandparents, you need to hear this. God can give you hope to replace the fear in your parenting and in your grandparenting. You won't do everything right. Some days you won't do anything right. I have a lot of those days. But God is with us, and even if we blow it big time, we have a God whose mercy is new every single morning. We have a God that brings beauty out of ashes. Therefore, we need not fear. Third, hold teens responsible. Hold them responsible. This is a practical tip, certainly, but it's also a spiritual tip. You need to hold teens responsible. If we flip all the way back to 1 Samuel, back in the Old Testament, one of those books that Maybe we don't read a lot but if we go all the way back in the first Samuel we read about a priest named Eli. A priest named Eli and Eli served as a priest of the tabernacle. Now some of you are going okay what's what's a what's a tabernacle? Let me give you just a real quick description. Tabernacle is basically a tent. If you'll remember when the children of Israel came out of uh, Egypt and they were wandering through the wilderness God told them to build a tabernacle. It was good large tent also called the tent of meeting it's where worship services and sacrifices took place and it was there behind the curtain all the way in the back of the holy pla- the most holy place the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant was located that was to go on before the lord and god said he'd allow his presence to remain there with the people and so that tent represented god's presence with the people and eli was a priest who was serving at the temple now eli had two sons now, because this is a lineage thing, because the priesthood is passed on from father to son, he was raising his two sons up to be uh, priests themselves. But here's what, in 1 Samuel 1, 12, here's what we read that the Bible says about Eli's two sons. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Now, here's the interesting thing. The term worthless men literally means sons of the devil. Here you've got a priest who's got two sons that the Bible says are sons of the devil. And if you read in, in, in the second and third chapters of 1 Samuel, you get a glimpse as to just how devilish their actions were. They disregarded the Lord. They disregarded their father, and they disregarded and abused the people who were coming to them. And the Bible does say that Eli rebuked them. In other words, he, he, he waved his finger at them and, and he, he told them off for their bad behavior. But here's what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible does not say that Eli ever took any action to remove his sons from those positions of honor and responsibility. He did not hold them responsible he overlooked he swept it under the rug he turned a blind eye we can spend all day talking about how to hold our kids responsible but there's, a, there's an example scripturally of, of the disaster that can take place if we fail to hold our children, our grandchildren responsible for their actions. But it's really not as hard as we think it is. Holding children responsible, holding teenagers responsible, and you want, listen, let me give you a hint. If your kids are young right now, don't wait till they're teenagers to start holding them accountable. Start holding them responsible. Don't wait until then, because now you're playing catch-up, and you may never catch up start as early as possible helping kids understand where the boundaries are between what is acceptable and what is unacceptable it's not that complicated it's not necessarily easy it's just not complicated you begin to say, okay, here are the lines. And some of these lines are hard and fast. Some of these lines will never change, but some of these lines are based on your age and your maturity. For instance, uh, at, at age four, it is not okay for you to drive the car. At age 16, or if you back up to a learner's license, it's in 15, then then it's okay. It's legally permissible for you to draw the car. But does that necessarily mean you move that line? No, because it's not just the child's age, it's also the child's maturity that determines when that line and you draw the lines. They don't draw the lines. You draw the lines. That needs to be informed by scripture, it needs to be informed by experience, it needs to be informed by wisdom. But you are responsible to draw the lines, and some of you parents and grandparents are scared to death to draw any lines. Because you're going, well, what what if? What if, what if? And literally, I haven't been to Toys R Us in a long time. But here's one thing I've learned in Toys R Us. Moms know how to count to three. Am I right? But here's what happens. When you're counting to three, at first, it works. One, they're back. After a while, one, two, and, and listen. You're telling, you come here, you come here right now. Well, what does right now mean? One, okay, that's not right now. That's delaying. One, two, and some kids, they... You may want them here, and they're here, and they will one, two, three. That's the way they'll do it. Let me tell you, they're going to push. That's what kids do. That's what teens do. They push the boundaries because they want to find out whether they're real or not. They want to—is this really a line? And if I cross that line, what is going to happen? Now I know we live in a different—I know we live in a different day and time. And I know that physical punishment isn't what it used to be. Listen, I've spent a lot of time going out cutting my own switch. And you better not bring one in that breaks the first time you get hit with it either. I'm not saying necessarily, i never hit my child with a switch. Uh, baseball bat, no, 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 not even, not a bat, not a switch. We have to find what works, okay, and, 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 what works for one child doesn't necessarily work for every child. Which makes, that's what makes it so hard because you think, okay, I did this for Johnny. I ought to be able to do this for Susie, and it just doesn't work that way. We, we, have, to be, we have to draw the lines, and we want to be careful where we draw the lines because some of you parents draw dumb lines. I mean, you're on your way to Disney World, and now you've made your way down. You're about to cross into Jacksonville, and the kids are yelling in the back seat, And you say something really, really dumb like, if you kids don't be quiet, we're going to turn this car around. Now, here's the thing. You've spent a lot of money for Disney tickets. You ain't turning that car around. So why in the world are you making that kind of a threat? You're drawing a line. What are you teaching your kid about lines? Well, lines may be lines. Lines may not be true. They They may be imaginary lines. So we've got to be really, really cautious as we draw lines. But we do need to draw lines. But we need to draw appropriate lines. If we don't intend to enforce them, don't do it. Because kids are smart. All right, next. Encourage more than criticize. Encourage more than criticize. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this is God's instruction for all believers. This is how we should to talk and communicate with, with everyone around us. But it's absolutely critical when we're dealing with teenagers. This, this, is, this would be something you, you need to mark, put this on a postcard, put this on an index card, put it up somewhere you can see it. Because too often our frustration turns into anger and then our anger turns into words that we can't take back we say things that don't just hit the ears of our teens they hit the heart and i will tell you even the soul of your team and they plant a seed there that they're going to live with for the rest of their life and that might take root and grow now here you're an adult Think back with me. I, I was I was dwelling on this the other day while I was driving back and forth. When I think back to my childhood, and I think back to times when I was uh, encouraged by mom or dad, or embarrassed by mom or dad, I could put a lot more things in the embarrassed category. And I'm not saying my parents were bad parents. And I'm not saying they didn't encourage me. But what do I remember? I remember the discouragement. I remember the criticism. I remember those times where I felt embarrassed and even humiliated. Those left a deeper mark, a deeper groove in my soul than the encouragement. And so we want to be really, really careful that we encourage far more than we criticize Our words need to be measured. We need to think about what it is that we're about to say and about to do when it comes to dealing with our kids instead of simply flying off the handle. And we don't even have to cuss at them. Listen, some of you, that may be an issue. Many of you, that's not an issue. But listen, just because you're not cussed at doesn't mean you have not literally been eviscerated verbally. Say what matters. But be careful what you say. And here's what's going to happen, especially with a teenager. With a kid, it's a little more, you may, you may fuss at a child and just a water work start, okay? For, for a teenager, after a while, that's not cool to do that. And so uh, you, you, you may say something really pointed, really, really hurtful to them, and they just act like they shrug it off. Can I tell you what's happening? They are not shrugging it off. They're packing it in. And it will help shape the kind of person they are and shape uh, how they view life, how they view themselves, and how they view relationships. We need to be awfully, awfully careful that we are not judgmentally condemning and critical of our kids over every single little thing. Listen, you do not have to die on every hill. Not every battle is a life or death struggle. We had to make that decision we were saying, hey, listen, there are places we're going to draw lines. When they're growing up, they're not, they're not doing the tattoo thing when they're growing up. We're just not, it's just not happening in our house, okay? Um, we drew the line there. We drew the line with, uh, uh, but we didn't draw the line, for instance, hey, listen, Jay, if you want to grow your hair out so that it looks like a shrub, hair, you, hairstyles come and go, you, you, that all changes we didn't draw the lines there so we need to be careful where we draw those lines and we need to be careful that we're not criticizing for things that that aren't that big of a deal know what's important and stand up for those things that are important teens need loving correction there's no doubt they need loving correction but they need genuine encouragement i'm not talking about fluff but you do need to look for opportunities the things that you see that that you can criticize those jump out at you. Okay? You don't have to go looking for those. But you do need to look for ways that you can encourage each and every day. And and I say this to parents of teenagers and uh, and, and grandparents who have, have teenagers. I say this in pre-marriage counseling. I mean, even once we're grown up, we still need it in our own marriage. We we still need to say please and thank you and um it's kind of funny around our home because you know we we watched a lot of episodes of Andy Griffith's show and there's one episode where the couple's just this uh, fighting with each other and fight with each other and fighting with each other and Andy gets involved and he teaches them a better way and in the morning they get up and go morning dear and she'd reply morning honey and so it's kind of funny because that's what we do in the mornings uh uh just just one of those things that soaks in but we can really find all kinds of things to criticize in our kids, in our spouses, in our parents. But there are lots of things there that we can encourage if we simply take the time to look. Don't let any unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. But what that which is to build one another up. And if it's important in the church of Jesus Christ that we build one, or, one another up as brothers and sisters. My goodness, is it not more important? That in our own homes, that the kids that are going to be leading the world here shortly, that we're not doing everything we can to build them up. Finally, and I want to close this out, uh, take them deeper. Take teens deeper. Proverbs 22, 6 begins with this command. Start a child or start children off in the way they should go, or train a child in the way he should go. But obviously, that means more than just pointing them in the right direction and patting them on the back saying, good luck, right? If we look, uh, it, it talks about consistency over time. Paul reminded fathers of their responsibility. He said, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that word, bring them up, means to nourish and to mature. To bring them up means to nourish them and to mature them. That's our responsibility, and it is something that that keeps on going. It doesn't end when we think, okay, they can drive now, I can chill. No, it doesn't end then. Honestly, um, you know, Jay's getting married on Thursday, and we still do this. He will never stop being our son, and uh, Jackie will never stop being our daughter. And, um, you know, we'll figure this out daughter-in-law thing out soon enough I guess but uh we're excited about it we're excited to bring her into the family but we know it creates all kinds of dynamics and we want to be careful there as well that we are we are encouraging and and not criticizing in that as well but when when we need don't we, we we settle too much for the superficial when it comes to our kids in other words if I can simply get my child to behave and be a good citizen good taxpaying citizen then i've accomplished my purpose and i want to tell you christian parents and christian grandparents that is wrong 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 what you want instead is for your child to know jesus and to be changed by knowing him that's what you want anything less than that don't don't keep pushing for your kids to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. To know Jesus and to be changed daily by Jesus. That is what they need more than anything else in all the world. And that's what this world needs. We're to be about kingdom business when it comes to raising kids. As a matter of fact, raising kids is kingdom business. Go all the way back. Go all the way back to Genesis. So you see it begins with family. It begins with the family. And God begins there to help uh Help us to understand what it means to, to raise a, a nation of people, a group of people who love Him and who follow Him. And when your kids are little, they'll accept anything you tell them. God loves you, okay. Jesus died on a cross, well that's sad, but I believe it. Tooth fair, leave a money under your pillow if you'll leave a, a uh, your tooth there. Okay, that sounds even better. They'll believe anything you tell them when they're little. Anything you tell them when they're little. But that changes. They begin to ask questions. They begin to have doubts. And that scares you to death. We need to teach our kids to walk with Jesus. Because one day we're not going to be there to walk with them. And the last thing that we want is for them to walk alone. Let me tell you here, when your kids start having questions and start having doubts, that is, it is scary. I do understand that. But here's the reason you want to take them deeper. They need to see that your faith is more than just surface level. They need to see that you're willing to dig. And here's what I want to challenge you as, as parents and grandparents. Here's what I want to challenge you uh, to do when it comes to raising. Wrestle through the hard issues with your kids wrestle not your kids wrestle through the the hard issues with your kids so your kids are dealing with issues they're talking about homosexuality at school oh don't bring that in the house we're not we don't talk about that here okay if you don't talk about it here in the house that means the only place they're hearing about it is at school so the only thing that's going to shape their understanding is at school hmm no, you need to wrestle with it at home. The hard issues of human sexuality, you need to wrestle with those at home. The hard issues of, of terrorism, you need to wrestle with that at home. Don't ignore those songs. And, and listen, open the scriptures, and you go, well, I don't know where to turn. Open the scriptures, begin to read the scriptures. God will show you where to take them, and, and we certainly are here to help in whatever way that we can, but study the Bible with your kids. Talk to them about what they're learning or not learning or the things that they're struggling with. You need to go deeper so that you can take your kids deeper. Because if you're surface level, guess where your kids are going to be? Your kids are going to be surface level. So we got to continually take them deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me share this one quote with you. It's from Kendra Creasy-Dean, who wrote in a book called Almost Christian that teenagers have been taught that there is a disinterested divine power who wants to give them personal peace and prosperity and help teens be nice. The result is a faith that cannot withstand the scrutiny of trials or intellectual questions. Parents and mentors have given teens an anemic sketch of faith at best. A robust faith is replaced by a code of conduct. We do these things, read our Bibles, pray, go to church, and we don't do those watch wrong movies, cuss, drink, or have sex. Conduct replaces relationship with Christ. Here's what I want to tell you parents and grandparents. Do not settle for merely getting your child to behave and what God calls you to do is to help your child become. There's a huge difference between just behaving and actually becoming the man or woman of God that God has created you to be. Parents and grandparents, teach your kids that Christianity is more than something we do. It is who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Teach them to walk with Jesus so that when you're not there to walk with them, they still have Jesus to walk with. Grace Fellowship mission statements I shared at the very beginning as we exist to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And parents, I plead with you let this pray for this ask god to give you a passion for this to happen that in the life of your child in the life of your grandchild that they experience a life-changing relationship with jesus christ it's what they need more than anything else and it's what you need more than anything else the deepest desire that god has is not to have buildings on Sunday morning filled to capacity and overflowing. What God wants more than anything else is to have people who love Him, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week, and who express that love by living out their faith in a broken and fallen world. I want to encourage you, parents and grandparents, to consider all the things that we've talked about, but I specifically want to, the first two, living out your faith for them and continuing to go deeper. I promise you, the more you study God's Word, the more you let God get into you and let the Word get into you, you'll discover you've never scratched the surface. All you've been doing is dancing around on the tip of the iceberg, and there's just so much more that God has in store for you. There's the riches of His grace that you're yet to discover. And your kids need you to be on that discovery. Your grandkids need you to be on that discovery. We have a responsibility given to us by God for the next generation and the generation after that. We want to say with the psalmist, listen, I'm going to to teach not only my kids, but I'm going to teach all the generations that are to come. That could be you. Begins at home. We're here as a church to help, but it begins at home. And so I'm going I'm to pray for us right now. And as I do, I just want to challenge you. If you need to maybe come and, and, and get a fresh start today, a new beginning, we have a God of mercy that, that can bring beauty out of ashes. And he's ready to meet you this morning and, and to begin give you a new start, a new beginning. And so this altar is going to be open for you if you want to just come and pray. Maybe there's something you just need to leave here. Maybe you need to ask God for something in your parenting or grandparenting. This is your moment. For some of you, you may need a church home, a place that tries to rally around people and families to encourage them and to help them to grow. And If that's where God's leading you, then I want to encourage you to come, be a part of it. And for some of you, for some of you, you may need Jesus. What is this personal knowledge of of Jesus that you keep talking about? What is it that can change my life from the inside out? And I've got to tell you, there's a Savior that can do that. And if you need Him this morning, we want to encourage you to come and receive Him. Would you join your hearts with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for meeting us in this place. We thank you that you, you have something to say to families today. Certainly to individuals, to each one of us, But but we understand in this world where family seems to be falling apart, that you have something to say you have a word for us you have a truth for us and well we want to embrace that and so father i want to pray for those who are struggling right now in their own family situations lord that you would give them wisdom and compassion that you'd give them understanding to be able to to do some things differently in their homes than maybe they've been doing thus far i pray lord that you're going to strengthen parents and strengthen grandparents to take a bold stand in their faith and to keep growing in their faith so that they can supply for their children and grandchildren everything that they need. Father, I pray for those who need a bigger family, a church family. And Lord, if you're leading them to grace, then I pray nothing would stand in the way of them taking that step today and coming and identifying with this church. Lord, I pray for those who sit here and they know that they don't know you personally and it's bothering them. Lord, I pray, I, I ask in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would come and just kind of tug on their hearts to say, Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. And Lord, that they'd hear and respond. Lord, whatever it is that you're calling us to do, we want to be bold enough and humble enough to take that step today and do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?